When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to, Welcome to Mile High Hockey Lab. Mile High Hockey Lab. What is up, my friends? Welcome to the Mile High Hockey Lab. My name is Adrian Hernandez. I'm excited to be in this seat in my wonderful home, as I'm lucky to work from home these days, um, and set up to talk nothing but avalanche hockey with you all. So I'm here today with Jackie K. Evan, Lou, and Jacob Wendling. Say hello, everybody. Hello, hello. hello. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you guys for coming in. I know you guys got the script today, and I'm sure you could, had you know a great idea of what we were going to talk about based on the way the game against San Jose ended for the Colorado Avalanche. Um, thank you all for joining us. We're going to talk today about Nathan McKinnon. We're going to talk about congratulating somebody who has been striving for this measure of success his entire career and is yet to do so despite being a Stanley Cup champion. So congratulations to one Nathan McKinnon, everybody. Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. Yeah. So that's the first thing I want to talk about. Um, if you're listening, please subscribe, like, share with your fellow Avalanche fans. Follow us on Twitter at Mile High Hockey and at Mile High Hockey underscore lab. Um, I just want to talk about Nathan McKinnon's 100th point. And um, I'll start with you, Jackie. Um, Were you surprised that Nathan McKinnon got his 100th point before Miko Rantanen got his 50th goal? Um, I don't know. Maybe if you would ask in the middle of the season, I would have said yes, especially after he missed that month. But um, definitely when he got to 90, I mean, it's just so much easier to get points. So, yeah. um, yeah, not really, I guess I'd say. When he started getting close, I'd say definitely not. Okay, so you're saying once you're closer with points, it's easier because points are easier to get than goals, essentially, is your logic there. Yeah, exactly. I got you. I got you. Well, I was impressed, mostly impressed with the fact that he's able to get 100 points in a season where he's been injured and he's missed quite a few games. Um, Evan, is that how, how impressive is that to you? And what does that say about uh, how, how he's been this past month and a half, I guess? No, it, it's certainly impressive. And I mean, when you look at there, someone tweeted it out, one of the press writers, I want to say it was the other Evan, Evan Rowell, who tweeted out like how many people had missed games. And I think McKinnon was probably at, like 12, I think, or something like that. Um, and then furthermore, I think someone replied to that and was like, you know, hey, he's he's been close before already. Right. I mean, we've already kind of documented that, that he's been close to very points for the times, last, yeah. last few seasons. Um and that, you know, COVID shortened season probably didn't help with that. And 99 points that one season. So, you know, it was only a matter of time until he got it. Um, yeah. But it was certainly doing it injured for sure. Or not injured, but, you know, missing games because of injuries is also big. So, yeah, if you miss games, you miss opportunities to score. Yeah. And now, so. now, now you think of like, what ifs, right? Like, exactly. Played all the games. Would he be 120 or right. something like that, you know? Well, it just goes to show that he's producing at such a high clip towards the end of the season. Uh, Jacob, is this kind of like a microcosm of the Avalanche as a whole, given that they've found themselves in uh, contention for a Central Division title for the third straight year, despite the fact um, that they've seen a lot of key players, not just, you know, bottom six guys, but both on the defensive and offensive side, they've seen guys go down, but yet here they are with a chance to seal their own fate as division Supremes again. Yeah, I mean, I'd say it's it's pretty easy for Nathan McCann to be a microcosm of the Avalanche in general, like regardless of what happens, because he re- he's the engine that drives the the whole thing. And so, you know, when he was out, that was their lowest moment of the season. It looked, you know, hopeless. They're starting half an AHL lineup, and you know, as soon as he came back, all of a sudden things turn around. And a couple weeks later, you know, he really starts ramping it up, and all of a sudden the Avs look like the Avs again. Right. You know, the thing yeah. I think that's most impressive about all of the, the McKinnon stats, you know, we're looking at total points. If you look at even strength points, he's fourth in the league, despite only playing 65 games. And yeah. most other people on this list have all played 77 or 78 games. Right. 
I think he's so, number one in even strength points per game, like even more than McDavid. Yeah, points per game. Mm-hmm. Which so I know a lot of people. Crazy. Yeah, a lot of people take a dig at McDavid because a lot of his points do come on the power play. Um, so if that's if that's a reason to dig at McDavid, then I guess you're I right. Know. It's a reason to praise McKinnon if he's getting his at five on five. I don't know about the logic of that. It, it does take talent to be really, really legendarily efficient on the power play. Um, no, I love that as, as a dig. It's like, yeah, no, it's like an automatic goal as soon as you go on the power play. That's why you're white. It's like, what? Wait, you're, Wait just, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, five on five scoring is important, though. I Agreed. mean, that's how you yeah. separate. Like, right. like points and goals win the game. So it's not like power play is meaningless. But I think if you're trying to compare players, I think what they do at five on five is more meaningful that's or at weird. least more like in the player's control other than like outside factors of getting power plays and this and right. that. Not to mention it's like the most common situation, right? Like teams just play at five on five more than they play with the power player mm-hmm. on the kill. So yeah. better in that scenario means you're better overall. So I, 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 I can kind of see it. Um, with McKinnon's overtime goal, he became the franchise leading goal scorer in overtime, basically game winning goals in overtime. Um, I feel like that says a lot about um, a guy who's a part of a franchise that's had a lot of clutch performers, especially skaters outside of Patrick Waugh. Do you guys think that this kind of points towards McKinnon being at least top three clutch, most clutch avalanche players of all time? I'll start with you, Evan. Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, mm, I, I'll say yes. I'll say yes. Why not? Cause I mean, you, you throw Waugh in there obviously. And then, you know, you go, you go with Joe, and then I'm debating if you put, you know, Forsberg in there as well. I feel like, because I feel like it would be the three, like, skaters, if we're excluding Wall, it would be, you know, Sackett, Forsberg, and McKinnon, probably. Right. So, you know, that, there's that. So, and yes, Aaron Pringle, you are absolutely correct. <laughs> that, that breakaway gifted us that second point from yeah. Carlson. I mean, Thank you, Eric Carlson, I guess. I mean, you know, he's, he's been getting points for the Sharks, but he also got points for us, so I'll take it. Yeah, he just kind of dished it out. The, uh, poor guy, though. I you tell what he was thinking. I just didn't I, – I, those white jerseys, man, they sneak up on you on the road, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but Kind of um, yeah. like an avalanche. Exactly. <laughs> Look at <laughs> that. There. You did, and I'm glad you did. Um, Jacob, what do you think? Do you Where do you put McKinnon in terms of your rankings of most clutch players in avalanche franchise history? I mean, Sackick's one because he's the most clutch For player sure. in the history of the the NHL. Like, you know, yeah. that guy's got. But I think I was looked it up earlier. It's uh, fourteen overtime points, and second place on that list is Doug Gilmore with nine. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, um, I mean, the question I guess is is McKinnon or Waugh for second? It's it's always hard to compare. You know, goalies to, to skater. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, the, that team won two. This team has won one. So I think until this team at least gets gets two titles, you can't put McKinnon over anybody from from that one. So I'll put him. I'll put him third. All right, I, that's fair, Jackie. I'll let you you get cast your vote. Um, I kind of think of clutch as something different. I mean, like good players obviously are there um, in the big moments and they're scoring the big goals and everything. Mm-hmm. But did I? I don't know. I don't know if I would necessarily say to me, clutch is like just pulling something out of the sky. Like, and I don't really think that like that's McKinnon. He's doing it with his speed and his you talent. And, yeah. And yeah. You see it coming. <laughs> yeah. Like to me, the in the most recent years, one of the most clutch players is Lekkonen. Like that's oh, the yeah. guy that scored enormous goals out of nowhere and mm-hmm. has some sort of crazy ability to <laughs> just, score when when the spotlight's on him like how he even did that in montreal like it was right after his tribute video and then he scores a goal yeah. and it's just like yeah. how does this guy do that so to his me his life's like, a movie no doubt yeah, like exactly. his dad is announcing his stanley cup game winning goal for his home country like yeah yeah you're totally right you're totally right that's so right. I, that's not to say i don't think that like mckinnon and ranton and mccarr and and our elite players don't have clutch ability, but the most clutch player in the abs history, I don't know. Like I said, I, I lean more towards like the Lekkonen type performances. If I want to okay. say like, who's the most clutch. So. so you're like a Tange guy then maybe. Yeah. Something like that. Something yeah. more in that direction. Yeah. 
I'm a comfort person myself. So that's I, I think comfort is pretty clutch in in terms of your logic. Like Yeah, no, I see that. He does he scores big like goals that you just out. don't see coming. <laughs> yeah. And you don't see him coming because typically he's just not that guy. But that's actually not necessarily true this year. And I hope we get to see even more of him in the playoffs in terms of that clutch role heading forward. Somebody I'm looking forward to, really looking forward to seeing how they perform in the playoffs is Alexander Gorgiev. Um, and I did the live poll of the week this week, and I I did it kind of as a ploy. I'm not going to lie. I wanted to see <laughs> if my bias would be confirmed. I'll be the first to admit it. And I haven't looked yet, so I'm going to look here in a second. But I think it will be. I feel like Alexander Gorgiev has quietly become the, the, the predominant storyline for the Avalanche, and he could be the predominant story of the NHL if the Avalanche are able to repeat on the back of like elite goaltending in the playoffs. So the question I posed on Twitter was of the story of these storylines, which one have you been most intrigued by essentially McKinnon's 50 or excuse me, McKinnon's hundred points, Rantanen's 50 goals or Alexander Gorgiev's elevated play. Um, Jackie, I left an other. So if you have another one that you want to add that I didn't say by all means, but what would you have chosen in this poll or what did you choose? I actually picked other, and then I thought about it because I feel like the only storyline in this season has been the injuries. I'm not saying that that was a good storyline. I would say, like, my other is anything but injury yeah. storyline yeah. would be my favorite. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, of it, it is nice, though, here at the end of the year that we have something to to focus on rather than, like, the minute by minute is Lance Cog ever going to play. Right. So it's nice that we're, like, focusing on McKinnon and – a good point. Of the three options, I would pick Granton, and I said it on um, last week's show. I just think 50 goals is is more meaningful, Mark, I guess, or a little bit more difficult to achieve. Yeah. Um, so that's something I've really been looking at ever since he passed even, like, 30. So, well, yeah, because he did like it pretty early ago. on. Yeah, yeah or even he's... more than two months. Yeah. You're right. So I've kind of thought about, like, well, what if he could get to 50? So I guess for me, that's the one I've been focusing on, but – um, when you mean Georgiev specifically, I don't know if he's gotten the attention that he deserves because it just seems like like nobody argues about him. Nobody complains about him, which is a good thing, but they're not really like praising him either. It's just kind of yeah. like a given like, oh, Georgiev's going to be solid and that's great and we can count on that, which which is great. But um, I, it, I guess it would be nice if he did become a bigger storyline. Yeah, I liken it almost to like, I don't know, the way – the way Bronco fans kind of overlook the best player on their team constantly. And because, and it's usually somebody on the offensive line, because for a very long time, the Broncos had a dominant offensive line. And it was like, if you went there, you became the best guard in the league. And I feel like the Avalanche have a similar thing going right now with goalies, where it's like, if you're a guy who's been on the fringe of being a starter and you just haven't gotten your shot, go to Colorado and you're going to be a Vesna caliber type goalie. Um, and I think that kind of shades how we view Gorgiev's success because we've seen guys come in. We, we've already seen Grubauer come and go. We've already seen uh, Kemper come and go, both of them with their own version of their best success. So I feel like that kind of clouds people's interpretation of just how good Gorgiev has been compared to expectation. Um, Evan, what do you think? What was your answer to the poll? Uh, I, I'll admit I voted for McKinnon's 100th. Um, okay. Just because of the, I mean, don't have shame in that. <laughs> it was a celebration last night. Yeah, I mean, that was pretty cool. You know, that was a good celebration. I haven't seen that much, not class. I haven't seen that much passion, emotion, I guess, yeah. out of passion. There you go, out of him in a little while. Um, I, Since EJ tackled him pretty much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I mean, like part of it could be just because of the win, but then again, it's also a win in overtime against the very much struggling San Jose Sharks. So yeah. I don't really know. But point being, like, you know, his, that was special um, and, you know, whatnot. And I'll, I'll kind of add on my points about your your comments on Georgiev because, I mean, you are right. We've It was proven last year, it's been proven before, that the Avs with this defense, they can have, quote-unquote, mediocre goaltending and, you know, be fine. Yeah. Um, we've seen that already. And so now if we're going in the playoffs with a healthy defense – and a really good goaltender like Georgiev, they're going to lock it down. Yes. 
See, and that's that's what I still feel like that's so overlooked about last year's team. You know, everybody does talk about look Lekkinen and McKinnon and and the top line and how successful the top line and 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 Kale McCarr. But I think the real story of the Avalanche was how well they played defensively and specifically in Game Six of the Stanley Cup Final, how they played defensively in the third period. That was that was arguably what won them a Stanley Cup, at least in that moment and in that context. So I, I agree with you and. And like you, like you pointed towards, Gorgiev isn't just a mediocre goalie. Oh, and we definitely. may, we may have had two just mediocre goalies, as it appears. I know it's only been a couple years for uh, Grubauer and one for Kemper, but nonetheless, it still feels like they're not quite the same as they were when they were with us. Whereas I feel like Gorgiev would have a future elsewhere, even if he wasn't behind a good defense. And yeah, I feel I comfortable with him in net. Yeah. Uh, I, I do too. And the thing too, when you look at last year with, with Kemper missing so many games as he did during that run too, the little friend still stepped up in a huge exactly. way. So now you have a great one-two pairing and you have both of them, you know, that could be running towards the playoffs. Hopefully Francis is, you know, on the mend. Yeah. He's been skating and, you know, he's obviously with the team right now in California. So hopefully, you know, he'll start progressing. Maybe we'll play in the last week sometime, maybe in one of those two games in the back-to-back with Winnipeg and Nashville next yeah. week. But yeah, um, yeah. I mean that those those two are great for us. And yeah, not not the wood that yeah. is healthy. So exactly. Well, and just to get back to your McKinnon point, we talked, and I, I don't know if it was last episode or the one before, but we talked about whether or not it meant a lot to him within the scope of his, you know, competitive fire and kind of what he takes into his mentality. And I think you don't have to look any further for proof of McKinnon being excited about his hundredth point than the picture of him with the puck, That's, which is yeah. like total full childlike grin. Almost reminded me of the grin he had when he's holding the cup next to his childhood net. So it did look like exactly. Yeah. Evan, that's a great impression of it. Um, so Jacob, what was your answer to the poll and and tell me why? Uh, I went with Georgiev. Um, part of it was, I also agree that he, I don't think he's got the, the do he deserves most of this year. Although I think this week that's changing. I think like yeah. he was at the top of Pierre Lebrun's uh, article in the athletic this week, as far as off season trade additions, he gave the app <clears> a plus for it. Like you're starting to see a lot more people take, take notice. And I think part of it is they looked at, uh, you know, the league leaders like, Holy crap, this guy's second in wins. He's fourth in save percentage. First in you know, win. We talked about the Evs as a defensive team, and and they are. I think that that's essentially what their identity has has been this year, partially because for part of the year they didn't have the horses to you know be a score first team. But I think it's mm-hmm. kind of notable that he's faced the fifth most shots in the entire NHL, and there's only that four is. teams in the NHL who have given up less goals than the entire uh, Avalanche team. And so, like, wow, the defense has been good, but it hasn't been up to I think its usual snuff this year. And so, like. You know, in the uh, roundtable this week, you know, Ezra and I had like a, a stealth argument between, you know, Miko and Georgiev as the, the team's MVP because mm-hmm. it's it comes down to kind of, you know, do you think that Miko's goal scoring has been, uh, you know, the driving force this year or has it been Georgiev backstopping them all those nights that, you know, maybe they didn't deserve to win? Yeah, I, that's a great question. Maybe that'll be the poll next week because I that's a very great, good question because I... I tend to think that a goaltender is slightly more important just in terms of the overall outcome of the game. Cause if you, there's not a lot of games that end one, nothing. So, um, and by that logic, you know, it's, it's a culmination of offensive plays, whereas goaltending it's, it's one person in the net the entire night, if it's going the right way. Right. <laughs> so if you want your night to not end early, it should be going well for you. Um, and Jacob, you mentioned that Pierre Lebrun had him gave the abs an A plus for the trade of Gorgiev, but to me, it's the trade and sign because they yeah. got him for three years at a That's very a cheap price. So, so now it looks, and I, and I, this is how I posed it in the script. I said, does Gorgiev represent Joe Sackick and Chris McFarland's best pickup? Is he, is that the masterpiece um, for him? If obviously if they win the Stanley cup, that's a no doubter, right? If he becomes a Stanley cup goal, win, uh, winning goaltender, um, in the one season he's been here and has two more years. Um, the answer to that question is yes. But Jackie, what do you think? Well, if we're talking about the last off season, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's really interesting because to, 
to separate out the goaltender because what we've talked about is a lot of system-based stuff too. Like the abs are a suppressive team and they need someone good, but he doesn't have to be great in that. And so that could lead into an interesting conversation of like, you know, the goalies that stand on their heads and the ones that are like more visibly stealing games, get the credit. And, you know, is somebody that's, that's good and solid is, and is great because of his team. Like, let's say the Bruins goaltenders as well, their statistics are amazing. Are they the mm-hmm. MVPs of their team because of the seasons that they've had, or is it more of a team-based thing? But that's like right. a whole another road to go down. But if we're talking about, like, the move that the Avs made over the offseason, definitely Georgiev is um, tops on that list. If we're talking about, like, building the cup team and everything, I – I'd say Nachushkin, but I also don't yeah. think that that was like yeah. um, predictable. I think they got a little lucky. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they didn't. They didn't make that move. Going, this is what's going to win us. The yeah, next exactly. Cup. You know, yeah. obviously, like the best trades they made were like Taze for the two second round picks, or I'd even mm-hmm. say Burakovsky. I think they got a lot out of him for a. I think it was a second and a third. Um, so if we're going back that far then I, I would throw a couple other names in the conversation. But uh, as far as, like, near term, definitely Georgiev was a big addition for them. Yeah, and and like I said, I bring it back to his contract because they got him for three years at 3.4 uh, million. So uh, that's if, if he's – It's kind the, of like the Grubauer thing because yeah. he was an RFA as well. Mm-hmm. But I guess the th- problem then becomes – are they going to give Georgiev that $30 million contract that they wouldn't give Grubauer and Kemper? Or is it going to be like, okay, we're going to go for the next guy and hope to keep him around for three years. Yeah. But going back to what we've all mentioned about the, the, the process or the system, the defensive prowess, do the abs always hold the bargaining chip when it comes to these goaltenders? And is it always, is it going to put them in the position to constantly be getting the backup of somebody who's the best goalie in the league, who also looks like they could be a starter at a cheap rate. Um, I feel like you could just keep running it back until it doesn't work. Um, and, and I feel like if you don't, you're kind of silly because if it isn't broke, you don't fix it. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, like if you look at the highest paid goalies in, in the NHL, like that's a cautionary tale more than it is a list it really of is. like Very the price. best you know, goalies in the league. And so like, yeah. you know, part of me wonders is this, you know, this idea that, you know, basically you don't pay goalies unless you have a Vasilevsky or a, or a Shesterkin, it's better to just kind of play the goalie roulette every year and try to find the best value you possibly can. I wonder if that's an artifact of this current cap regime and if that's going to be the case going forward as the cap goes up. Because then, yeah. you know, when you, you already have, uh, you know, his contract is up, maybe the cap's up another $5 million and all of a sudden, you know, hey, you can keep an extra couple million to make sure you get a goalie you trust. Yeah, that's a good point, especially because, like, the upper echelon of goalies, they get good forward numbers. Like, we're talking $10 million. You know, that's that's three players in your bottom six or in, in a defensive grouping. So it literally sucks up the depth that you might have, especially if on top of that you have forwards and defenders that you're paying at a, at a premium as well, which I think is the situation for at the Avalanche. Not necessarily at a premium, but at, at value for sure pretty much right now. I don't think anyone's really not getting paid what they're worth for the avalanche. Or am I wrong about that? Can you think of anybody who's, who's not getting paid what they're worth maybe right now, maybe comfort. I mean, Kale McCarr. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Always Kale McCarr. I'd say Byram. <laughs> Byram. I mean, that's ELC. Uh, any... I mean, that's because of ELC. It, right. You know, does yeah, that really count as... or not? I think Rodriguez has been better than 2 million, but it's true. I would agree with that. Yeah, Comfer's outplayed his three and a half million for this, you know, last year. But, but he's he was pretty close to that, or maybe below it, leading up to this season, probably. So, yeah, I'd say that that kind of averages out. That's an interesting thing, because um, I, I agree with you, Jackie. Byron might be the the most clear cut answer to that because of his ELC. Um, how do you think he'll be prioritized once that ELC is up? Is he is he going to be one of those guys that that gets a long term contract? I I hope so. I I would love that. Um, I don't know if they can pay that though. I mean, honestly, it might have to be like eight million to yeah. sign him, like <laughs> seven eight years. Yeah, and we're talking short term. Like he has the comp, 
the comparables for like four, four and a half, even on like a two year deal. So it's not going to be cheap. Um, And the thing is, is it'll be interesting because the RFAs usually are the last to sign. Like we're talking like September, mm-hmm. but the abs also need to know that number. <laughs> yeah, they do. Like can they really go through <laughs> yeah. the summer and just have no idea how much that's going to cost. Like new hook, they could probably wait. Not your typical to- RFA. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be around like probably two at most three, but like, how do you budget for Byram? So I'd, I'd love to see that get done sooner than later, but that's obviously going to be a, a tough one. So like, I think the Avs have done well not bridging guys. I mean, can you imagine if they had bridged Makar? Like, what a disaster that would oh, have yeah. been. <laughs> yeah. But I, I just honestly don't even know if they can. Yeah. Can pay Byron. Like, I mean, it's definitely going to be more than seven to sign him long term. Well, you know, you look at the talk been like he'll he's going to replace Devon Taves and once Taves' contract is up and he'll he come some of Taves' contract up. Am I wrong about that or no? I, that's probably their thinking. I don't see how they can uh, sign Tays long term. I know, I know. Tays only makes like, like four million. Half our listeners right? out yeah. there screaming, "You trade Gerard." That's how you keep Tays. But he's not going to make five million dollars. Yeah. Tays is going to yeah. make that eight million dollars, and it's not going to be over four years. It's going to be over seven or eight years, and. Like, where are they going to find the money for that? Even if they got rid of Gerard, which, first of all, you'd be getting rid of him for another player you have to pay, and then you'd have to pay to replace him. So it's not like free $5 million if you get rid of Gerard. So I just don't see that as a viable solution to the how are they going to pay these guys problem. Yeah, I've I've never heard of trading away a good contract to make way for other contracts, but... (laughs) Yeah, me. I don't. I don't think the abs are thinking that way too. Yeah. It's like yeah. who needs cost-controlled top four defensemen more than the abs? Exactly. <laughs> right. Devontae's is making four point one million through next season, so yeah, yeah. that's going to be not what he's paid yeah, <laughs> in twenty twenty-five. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, you're definitely onto something. And Evan, I, I, I hope you're right. I and I hope the talks about Byram being slated to roll into the a pairing with Makar because man, that would be super entertaining at the very oh, least. Yeah. And I will say that of the two, two, they're two of my uh, favorite defenders because they shoot so well, but they have different styles. So I feel like they would, they would work really well in a pairing on the offensive side, especially. And I think that Byram could learn a lot from Makar defensively in terms of his edge work and stuff like that. Um, because I do think they're both really good skaters too. So, I mean, obviously he can't skate like Makar because very few people can, but you you pair, pair up with him and you start to pick up on little things like that. I just worry, is it is it is it another new hook cadre situation? I don't think it is because we've seen Byron be the real deal already. And new hooks just shown glimpses of that. So I'm with you. That would be that would be really cool, and I think it's it would be the responsible thing to do. And then you can go find another bottom six defender on in free agency, or at the trade deadline, and yada yada. So I'm with you on that. Um, I will say though, of 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 the people that are not being paid what they're worth, uh, maybe maybe it is Miko Rantanen uh, right now. Just even though he's making good money, I feel like. The guy, I mean, as of late, he's struggled, but I feel like it has a lot to do with because of how close he is to 50. Um, do any of you feel like the fact that he is at 49 is kind of like not so good in, in certain scenarios for the team? Because it seems like they're focusing on getting him the puck. On the power play, especially. especially. Yeah. Yeah. Say, look, look at last night. Yeah. <laughs> look at last it, night. It hurts the power play. I think it does. Yeah. They well, the, should have been feeding him more on the power play, though. Like, yeah. his shot's better than McKinnon, so I yeah. I don't know. It, I, I think maybe a little happy medium because it does telegraph it to the other team. I mean, come on. Like, the goalie is going to yeah. look at, for Miko to take the shot, well, but... Altitude reminds, had, like, a circle around Miko the entire oh, time he was so on dumb. the ice. Yeah. <laughs> um, it reminds me of like when a Ginla, I don't remember what the milestone was. It was like 630 goals or whatever it was. It kind of reminds me of that, but it's like, he's a little bit more on top of his game more than like a Ginla at the time when she was like painful that they just kept (laughs) 
<laughs> giving the puck to him, I like, think, no. <laughs> I think he ended up scoring, like, off a skate in two, like, yeah, off his own like, skate, finally. like, not paying attention. Like, he's looking the other way, and it, like, bounced off of him and went in. Is I'm pretty sure how he got that final, that goal. So, that's that's really funny. I, I agree with you. It's like, they're, they're just too focused on it. And if you think about it, he's gotten 50 by just playing. He's gotten 49 by just playing. So let's just play, and he's going to get 50. Just the numbers are there. <laughs> so, uh, Evan, our, I asked Jackie earlier um, about if you were surprised that McKinnon got to 100 points before Rantanen got to 50. Uh, pretend I asked you that like two weeks ago because based on Jackie's answer, what, what would your answer have been then? Yeah, it, two weeks ago I probably would have said, yeah, because I think for two weeks he's been stuck on like 48 now, right? Yeah. 47, 48, something like that. So. Yeah. Um, I mean, he could have gotten 50, I know, a couple weeks back against Arizona and that home and home. And then when he hit a go- uh, gosh darn referee, <laughs> a referee, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Anaheim, who else have they played? Oh, and then obviously Dallas and Minnesota, too. So, yeah, I, it definitely would have been possible, definitely feel like it could have been possible like two weeks ago, but mm-hmm. alas, here we are. Yeah. Um, and so hopefully you get to tomorrow night. I know I was going to say at least at least we pretty much know it'll both will happen. And if both don't happen, there's we should be concerned a little bit. I feel yeah, like be, you think? Turn, turn on the alarm bells. Yeah. I mean not overly concerned, but like it is scary when a guy who's got 49 goals just suddenly loses his scoring touch. What do you think, Jacob? Uh Maybe I mean, may, like once we get to the playoffs, you know, he doesn't have forty nine goals anymore. He has zero. Yeah, goals. zero. Maybe, yeah exactly. Pressure, pressure disappears because <laughs> all you know, he's just chasing a number at that point. So once yeah. you re- remove the number, hopefully that will remove the stress to chase it. Yeah, that's a good point. So, and that's that's why I was like hoping so bad that he would have gotten that one that went off the crossbar um, because not only was it like would have it gotten it out of the way, but it was a pretty goal. It was like Miko vintage Miko. It would have been. You could have put a, a picture of it in the mausoleum. Like it, it was, it would have been beautiful. Um, so, you know, his regular, you mentioned that the regular season success is nice, but it's kind of all about the playoffs. Um, Jackie, are you nervous, excited about this potential playoff? Well, not potential, this upcoming playoff run. And if your answer is both, um, tell me what makes you nervous and tell me what brings you peace of mind. Yeah, I guess both is is fair to say. I am generally more of an anxious person, so that's just <laughs> the way I am. Um, I I would say the peace of mind part is just that they've done it. Like it's just mm-hmm. it removes just that I don't know. That's just the anxiety that like you just feel like it's never going to happen, or like is this their last chance? And, you know, just all those thoughts. Like we've experienced it, and it'd be awesome to experience it again. But. Um, I mean, we'll see when we get there, right? Maybe my answer will be different when we're down in a series or something. But um, so, I, yeah, I kind of feel both ways. Like, uh, excited just because that's, like, the best time of year. That's why we grinded through these eight months or however long it's been. It's to get to that point to see what they can do. But I don't necessarily think they have the team to win it all again. Uh, like their elite players are always capable of, yeah. of, uh, you know, um, anything. So I'm not going to write it off, but I just, I don't think they're quite where they were last year. And like even Bednar admitted it, did, I thought yeah. it was kind of interesting that, I mean, he also said that that's not to mean that they, he doesn't believe they can do it, but like last year's team was stacked. Like they yeah. finally had incredible depth and this year it's, it's just not the same. Plus like how many, uh, you know, injured, how much more of the injury curse do we have to deal with? So I don't know. I guess I'm just looking forward to maybe a little bit less stressful playoff experience, but we'll see when we get in, in the middle of it. It's easy yeah. to say that now. I hate to break it to you, but last one was pretty not stressful given they only lost like four games. I know, but it was so stressful. I think the anticipation of winning another one is why it was so stressful. But I think this one is going to be more stressful because if the Avs do win, it's going to be – they're going like to have lost. sevens. Yeah, they're going like to have to probably slay that dragon um, this time around. Uh, and, and, you know, I, um, I'm like you, Jackie, I'm, I'm typically nervous. So I think I'll be nervous this year. Cause I feel like 
everybody's trying to take the crown and there's a little more bragging rights right now. Anybody who beats us, who eliminates us is going to, is going to immediately think they're the next champ. So I, I'm, I'm nervous. Um, mostly I'm excited and I can kind of lean on, like you said, that, that, uh, you know, they've done it before. I will agree with you though. And agree with Bednar that they're going to have to do it a different kind of way this season. They're not going to do it the same way they did last year. I think that's what he meant when he said like, it's dangerous to compare them because if you think that this team is just going to breeze through rounds like last year's team did, I think you're in for a surprise. Evan, what do you think? Are you nervous or are you excited? Both. Obviously. Yeah. I'm, I'm like everybody else. Um, yeah. yeah. We were definitely spoiled with that. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're definitely, we were definitely spoiled with that. Um, but I mean, I know a few days ago I went, I went back through my phone and, looked through YouTube and was looking at pictures and videos of the playoff runs and just like the, the emotions and the scenes and the environment. And it was, I was like, Ooh, I can run through a brick wall right now. Yeah. Um, super. So, I mean, there's always that excitement. It's, best, it's one of the best times of the year watching playoff hockey. Um, and you know, it's, it's still going to be fun regardless. Um, it's, you know, as we've already kind of stated, it's not going to be as easy as last time. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you know, you're still dealing with injuries. Teams are going to be better. Um, you know, I, I'm calling it now. They're not going to sweep their way to the first round this time around. No, no first round sweep, huh? No Even round. if it's Seattle? No, no, definitely if it's not Seattle. Interesting. They lost um, twice to Seattle. <laughs> yeah, I hear that, but I, I feel like goaltending is big in the playoffs. And I feel like, as much as I love Gruby, I feel like he's not sure, quite yeah. what he's yeah. getting paid um, to be. And Martin Jones too. Yeah, really I'm sign me up for Martin Jones and Philip Grubauer and get Connor Hellebuck the hell away from me. That's what I say. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I think that is a fair take. <laughs> I mean, but no, I'm I'm ex- I'm excited. It's it's always it's always fun, and you know, I, I think I think just the kind of general thing that we could say to you know abs faithful is you know we need to like lower our expectations because i can already tell i can already see abs <laughs> blowing Good luck. i can already see them blowing up like after oh, yeah. they lose like you know game two in the second round like they did last year oh the series oh, is over is there it's like we're not no this isn't the same team right and yeah. we're still dealing with injuries but actually I'll, let me go back to that point actually the injury part because you have you have these four guys that are going on the trip now. Yeah, Landis Gog is you know he's still obviously a ways back. Um, I'm hopeful for the first round, but I re- I'm I'm hopeful, but I don't want to get my hopes too high. Um, I feel like game you know, five. Game five, I could see that. Like in the latter latter stages mm-hmm. of the first round, if it gets to that point, maybe. Um, but like Man- Manson should hopefully be good. I know he's been. Going back, Lekkonen's just started skating with a with a stick again. Francis has been doing better, so you know, if as long as you get even three of those four guys, that's going to be big. Um, and yeah, so that 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 only elevates the excitement even more in my mind. Yeah, I say game five because game five is typically like the swing game in a series, and if you're gonna in, like insert your captain into the lineup anywhere inside of a first round series, and you don't sweep, it's probably game five. Um, and if not the first round, I feel the exact same way about round two, if they are lucky or fortunate enough to be in the second round. Uh, Jacob, I'll, I'll end with you. I'm pretty sure you're excited, but tell me, are you excited, nervous, both? What's up? I mean, if you're not nervous during the Stanley Cup playoffs, like, are you really a hockey fan? Like, there, <laughs> there's always going to be so, you know, some level of nerves. But, like, if we're comparing it to last year, I don't even think that the nerves are remotely close to, yeah. to last year. You know, last year they had to win it. Like, they had – the best second line center in the league who was on his way out in free agency that Burakovsky who was playing well, he, he was going to be on his way out. You know, Manson was an expiring contract. We didn't know what was going to happen with, with them. They pushed all of their assets to the ta- middle of the table to get him and Lekkinen and Kemper and Kemper was a free agent. And so this year it's, it's different. It's a little more mellow. You know, there's not, you're not seeing all these markers saying, you know, look at this advanced metric that shows that the abs are, you know, one of the 10 best regular season teams ever you know, it felt like 538 was publishing that every other month last year. So I think it's, you know, a little more mellow. I'm, I'm generally excited because I think that for the first time really in this, you know, McKinnon era, 
the Avalanche have a goalie who could steal a series, and that mm-hmm. has really never been the case before. And it it just adds a new element uh, to this Avalanche attack that you know you're so focused on not getting beat by McKinnon and you know Rontanen and and Makar. Now all of a sudden, hey, maybe you shut those guys down and you still lose because you can't beat Yorgi, and that's it. That's the the whole series. Well, we remember we remember what it was like to have a goalie like that, and it is different. Like you explained, like you watch differently when you have a goalie like that um, because you you expect him to not give up a goal the entire game. And I feel like the the obviously Patrick Waugh is the guy we're talking about here, but. I mean, if you can instill that kind of confidence, not in your fan base, because no offense, who cares, but in your defense, in your defensive group, if they feel like if they do their job, there's a good chance you're not going to, they're not, other teams not going to score at all. That's huge for a team inside the playoffs, especially one that's as dynamic and potentially explosive as the Colorado Avalanche. So I think it's. You know, it gives the team a com- the confidence to play the style that Bednar has kind of been pushing them to, to exactly. play. You know, yeah, like you said, he, this is not the, a team that can just go out and outscore their opponent on on every single night. Like, there's a reason that he's been emphasizing the checking portion of the game. You know, the last month or so, every time their their play takes a dip, because you know the way that they have to win is they they have to grind people down and then allow you know their speed to take control of the game when the game allows it. They can't. You know they can't dominate for you know 15 minutes at a time the yeah. way that they, they did last year they've got to kind of pick and choose their spots they're gonna to have to lean on him a little bit you're right about mm-hmm. that and um you know a big factor in how and who the avalanche will face in the first round of the playoffs will be pretty much all determined this week and in the following week and of the final games the Avs pretty much play two playoff bound teams and then uh i think it's Four? Am I, they got six games left? I, I don't know. I can't remember. But nonetheless, six. Let's see. I wrote it down. Final six games. Yeah. four. So I wrote down if they win four or six, that's probably enough to win the Central Division. Uh, Jackie, how confident are you in the Avalanche? Maybe not winning four or six, but winning the Central Division. Hmm. Well, I'm one that has probably focused on them winning the division less even though mm-hmm. after playing those Dallas and Minnesota games it does sound pretty appealing to not play them in the first round yeah. even though that that would be their life for the second round but you know I definitely would rather have like Seattle over those two so mm-hmm. um do I think they're going to uh, you know if they play well in LA maybe that's the the key for me because um if I'm not mistaken, they've lost their other two games against LA yeah. and um, they're the, they play a type of game that I think uh, when the abs are playing well, I mean, when the abs are playing well, they can beat anybody, but that'll kind of show you where the abs are at right now. If they can mm-hmm. play well in that game in LA and win that one. And so I'm still kind of on the fence right now. Uh, Cause it also depends on what the other two teams do as well. Like, um, like I said before, it just Dallas has such a because um, Minnesota then just lost to Vegas twice, and Dallas has just such an easier schedule. I still yeah. think that they're the ones to beat and not Minnesota. Um, so, like I said, it, can I can I leave the answers undecided and depending yeah. on how they play yeah. against LA? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I absolutely. Win a division or not? <laughs> yeah. Yes, you can absolutely leave it open ended like that because. I mean, what are we talking about here? We're talking about predictions here. So you're you're totally fine with that. I will say I feel like it's interesting that the Jets, they play the Wild and the Avalanche the last two games of their season. So, like, they're in kind of a weird situation because imagine that they are sitting somewhere in that first wild card spot, but they'd rather play – say they'd rather play the Wild who end up stealing the Central from the Avalanche than the – uh, you know, being in their division. And so is that a situation where a team like them tanks um, to to get a I don't specific seed? Does anybody do that in the NHL? They're <laughs> hanging on by such a thread. There's like no way that they could, you know, if you were well, It someone... would be the very last game of the season. So they would know if it mattered, essentially. Well, the other thing is that Nashville also plays, I think, us in Minnesota. And yeah. if it comes down between them and Nashville, and the they, they really can't. <laughs> Yeah, the Jets, 
And Nashville, I think Minnesota and us play those two. The last two games, they're just offset by a, a game. So I don't know. It, it's probably going to be race between them. I just think Calgary's so done. I mean, to lose at home to Chicago. Like, well, they just, play the Jets tonight. It's actually a pretty big game if you think that's about true, it. That's true. That's true. And watch. They'll come out and win that one and just muddy the waters again. Well, that's so crazy. Like, Winnipeg's last five games, Calgary, Nashville, Sharks. Jet are wild avalanche, so they play. Yeah. They play four potential, at least four potential playoff teams. The Preds and the Flames are still kind of chasing, but um, I just think it's interesting. They have, they have like power. <laughs> they could win games and then have all the power. Uh, but Evan, you know, you tell me is is this something that that you think the Avalanche can pull off in winning the Central Division? I think so. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking at our own Casey Jim's tweet because he tweeted out like every single team in the West and like how many games they have left and who they're playing and things like that. Yeah. Um, the Avs have out of the 10 teams that he listed um, have the sixth easiest. No, wait, fourth easiest, fourth easiest okay. schedule um, remaining. Um, so below them is Minnesota, Seattle, Calgary, and Edmonton. They have easier schedules than the Avs. Um Nashville is first on that list. They have the hardest schedule. I mean, as you already kind of said, Um, Dallas is right above the Avs, um, right in the middle. Um, So you know they're they're as as has been. They have the easiest road. Here's what you're laying out. Yeah. Well, I mean, I wasn't going to say that, but I was going to say that like they're really tight, just like as it has been in the standings for the last little while now. So. It's going to come right down to the wire. I don't think we're going to know until the, the last day, to be honest. Because so, I, I doesn't everybody play on the last day? Uh, I think so. I know the Avs do because of the Predators' makeup game. Yeah, because of the, the Preds' makeup yeah. game. So I'm, I'm looking at the schedule really quickly. Because, yeah, if I'm uh, not mistaken, no, just kidding. There's only two games that night. <laughs> it's us no and way. then game out east. So maybe we'll, maybe we'll know then on Thursday night. On Thursday maybe we'll see lots of uh, young guys playing in that game. Hopefully, and it won't matter because we'll have won the division by beating the Jets on Maybe. Thursday, April 13th. Um, <laughs> is that the Predators, they have, they play Minnesota on the 13th and then they welcome us on the 14th. Yeah, back to back. Their schedule is going to be so hard. <laughs> that's why yeah. I say that about the Az because that's a back to back too for them, the Jets and then the Preds the on Jets 13th and, the and So, I mean, both teams are going to be feeling the same way, except the Avs going to be traveling, which, you know, but, yeah. um, you know, I, I think we're going to know. I think we're going to know by the end of Thursday night because, I mean, both Minnesota and Dallas play that Thursday night. Both of their games are going to finish either before or right at the same time as the Avs. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're all they're all six p.m. puck drops. So I mean, we're, gotcha. I guess they're gonna find out. We're gonna find out all together. Um, what's What's funny is you know we did that poll. I think it was like March twenty something. Um, we did a poll about they had like forty two points left. Uh, they had to win x x amount to win seventy percent, x amount to win sixty, x amount to win fifty percent. We asked fans how they thought the Avs would finish in those forty two points, and they all went with kind of the middle of the road where the Avs had been ticking along, which is about just over 60%, which is where they're at now. It's 64%, I think, um, is where they're at point percentage-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that time frame, they're actually just three wins away from being at a 70% uh, point clip. And we predicted that – well, I predicted that 104 points would win them the division. So that might be pretty spot on. Um, and it's, it's telling, again, of how successful the Avs have been later on in this regular season. Uh, Jacob, are you confident in the Avalanche winning the Central Division? Yeah, I mean, I've been confident since January when I wrote I mean, I, they control their own destiny. They're playing as good as any team in the NHL right now. You know, their remaining opponents aren't that difficult. And, you know, like, like you said, like, that Winnipeg game, it's Winnipeg's last game of the regular season. Maybe their playoff position is determined at that point, and they, they rest starters. That Edmonton game uh, that they play, that's their second-to-last game of the season. And, you know, depending on how the 2-3 or 1-2-3 seeds in that division shake out, who knows? Maybe they're resting starters at that point. So, like, 
the schedule on paper already looks good enough for the Avs, mm-hmm. and then you factor in the fact that you know the good teams that they're playing, they might be done, you know, for all mm-hmm. intents and purposes when we get get to those games. And so I, you know, they have come this far. I'm not about to back off now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, I said well, they win the division when they were like 18 points out of the division. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah when they had to jump like four teams still. Yeah, you definitely called it. If they do it, we all owe you a bottle of blue, as they say on <laughs> altitude. Um, so I, I just like to uh, end the show by opening opening up the conversation to you all and see if we haven't touched on anything. And I know, Jackie, you mentioned in our little chat that you wanted to talk a little bit about some of the acquisitions the Avalanche have made in regards to some of the pickups from college hockey. Do you want to get into that? Yes. Um, so, yeah, right after uh, uh, we recorded last week, then yeah, the Avs right decided to, <laughs> to sign three, three different uh, college free agents to entry-level contracts. And so that, that's a lot of activity for them. For sure. Um, two of them have already played with the Eagles – uh, and looked pretty good doing so, even though this year is definitely just like a little taste because they're not signed in the NHL for this year. So there, there's no chance that the Avs can call them up even for like the last game or anything like, like that. Like Myers last year. Yeah, much. exactly. Like when they signed him, he got all the promises. And so he got yeah. those five games and, and the NHL contract and everything. So this, these guys aren't at that level, but, um, you know, I just think it's uh, – we all know that they're doing this because they traded a lot of prospects and Prospect picks cool. away. But I don't think it's that simple. And I, I think kind of like the analysis has ended there. And like like who doesn't like free assets? So it's nice mm-hmm. that for whatever reason that these guys had options and decided to sign with us and come here. But I feel like it's a little bit of like trying to shortcut – a proper development system like mm-hmm. it shouldn't be instead of it should be in addition to and like he'd say well they just got rid of everybody so like what else can they do but they like don't sign rookie camp invites they haven't signed their own drafted prospect since Alausen. they only was uh that that russian defenseman Zhiravlyov they signed but other than him for two years they haven't even signed a drafted prospect Wow. You know, like they chose not to sign Neil Zaman and he goes on and plays with Vancouver. And like in hindsight, I wasn't that high on him. I'm not going to say like, oh, that was a massive mistake. But it's like right. if you're looking for guys to sign because you have such little in, in your prospect pool, like you're you're even choosing not to sign the ones your you draft have. Picks. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say, it sounds like they're circumventing not having draft picks, but you're saying, well, that's kind of also not true because they trade away their own picks. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or like other college guys that they didn't sign, like Nikki Lieberman. He had a successful five-year career mm-hmm. as a defenseman for Notre Dame. Like I, I wouldn't say I'm like the highest on him, but like why – why move away from a guy that's been in your system for seven years and then just roll the dice on a free agent? So to yeah. me, like I said, like I have no problem with them signing these um, these free agents. I mean, other than the fact that they were scratching like Sampo Ranta to get these guys in the yeah, lineup, that and that's also another like counterproductive. Like, why does it have to be instead of like? So, like, we're done with Ranta now. <laughs> we're just, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. he's just going to have to get waived in the fall. Like, he's the guy that if you see any sort of NHL future for him, he's the one that needs, like, the call-ups and the time. And so I just want to touch on that a little bit. I Like I said, I just think the analysis has been really shallow out there, and I just yeah. wanted to kind of, um, yeah, just bring up a few more of these points that I, I still think the Avs have a long way to go into – rebuilding a, a proper development system and so i just like i said i'd rather have it be in addition to and not instead of yeah. so so that's a good point <laughs> that's a good point because my rebuttal like i said was going to be well this is what you have to do when you don't have draft picks but like you said you shouldn't you should be doing both you should be signing the hottest leading goal scorer in the ncaa and have draft picks in your pocket and prospects in the pool but i mean or rookie camp they don't sign yeah. anybody from rookie camp yeah. like well, what's the point it's it's been five years since they signed o'connor and like they signed him because his dad played with craig billington yeah. so yeah. like when was the, the last time they actually nice. brought in like a rookie and, and 
and it was on the table for them to impress enough to get a contract. Yeah, I will yeah. say that what what's his name? Sam, Sam Malinsky, right? Is that yeah. him? Yeah, he's yeah. been he's looked really good. In yeah, the, he did in, a good job. Um, yeah. uh, definitely got a couple of points on the power play. So yeah, I mean, there's there's good reason to. Um, to you know, get excited about him. But the other thing is, he's going to be 25 in the fall, so there isn't a whole lot of development is. left. It's just a matter of like, is he going to be good enough? Like once he gets used to the pro game and everything, it's just, is he going to be good enough? Like it's just kind of like an either or at that point. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, do. I good though. So I'm, yeah. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. You know, I'm, I'm hoping to try and get to one of these last Eagles games here next weekend to see nice. if I can check him out, but. You know, I, it's, I hope that's all you can really do now at this point, as you already said, Jackie. So the best we can do. Nice. All right. What about you two, Evan, Jacob, you guys have anything you want to touch on or, or is it bold prediction time? Uh, I'm trying to think if there is anything to touch on. I think here, I'll just, I'll just do this say. instead. Can we just, can we just do this again sometime? Is that, a, is that, a, is that a flag of a tweet? Of your of our tweet that says the Colorado Avalanche won the So cool! You have to send me one of those. That's awesome. Yeah, that is pretty neat. Yeah, that's cool. You didn't get put in the Hall of Fame, did you? Yeah. I said you didn't get put in the Hall of Fame, did you? You weren't one of those. Yeah. They should have. They should have picked us. Yeah. Yeah. You know what's funny is going back to what Jackie was talking about with the draft signees. Jackie's like, I feel like the analysis has been pretty shallow. What do you guys think? And we're like, well, um, we're prediction time. No, well, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean no, that. No, I, no, I, I know. I just feel like that's an example of you being 100% right. I just, 100% thought, I just right. feel like I saw that tweet like 15 times. Like, oh, yeah. the abs are doing it because they have no picks. It's yeah. just like, uh, you oh, know. That's funny. <laughs> I was just like, wow. We just were like, all right, well, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, well, let's do some bold predictions. Last week we had Evan. You bold, Your bold prediction was that they would have a lossless week. I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure that that was yeah. not something that happened. Um, and then, Jackie, you had Byram scoring 10 goals, and I'm pretty sure that that's something that did happen. Yeah. So you logged yourself a bold prediction point, so congratulations. Uh, Ezra had Helm scoring a goal, which unfortunately – no. <laughs> Ezra's getting the buzzer even though he's not here. Ezra, that's, that was wrong. So let's get into them. I'll start with you, Jackie. What's your bold prediction this week? Oh, boy. Um, is Newhook scoring one goal? Is that bold enough? <laughs> I mean, he's, what, seven <laughs> games without a point now? Um, Something like that? Newhook goal. I, 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 I don't I'll, I think on its own it's not bold. How about a power play goal? Is that even crazier? I almost want to say game-winning goal. I think I'm ready All to right. go there. It's a game-winning goal. goal. I like that. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. All right, Evan, your turn. Hmm. I'm I'm with Jackie. I'm liking the idea of seeing how that LA game plays out this weekend. Okay. Um, really giving them a good idea of how that's going to play out, um, and where that really will leave them and where they stand heading into the game. I think they're going to need some dirty goals in that LA game. So therefore, I'm going to say Andrew Cogliano gets two goals against the Kings. Wow. Ooh, two goals. Who gets two goals? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear that. Cogliano. Cogliano. Holy Moses. That is a bold prediction. I love it. Oh, I'm put I'm not putting money on that one. <laughs> that's fine. You don't need to. <laughs> Pay out real big if you did. That's, that's, really that's like that's like saying like the mafia doesn't exist. <laughs> that's me saying I'm not betting on that one. Um, uh, Jacob, your turn. What's your bold prediction? Uh, Jonas Johansson shuts out the Ducks on Sunday. Ooh, Jojo shut out. Oh, yeah. okay. The day, it's I the like day after the though. Kings game. He's got to play it, right? I, You know, I don't think Georgiev has played either Ducks game because I remember it was Francois and, oh, yeah. and Jojo. So, yeah, that could be a likely one. I, like I guess that. would it be bold to say if Francois... I, I think they really yeah, want true. to play him one game. Well, 
If it I, is Francois, I get to shift it to him. Their backup goalie shuts out. <laughs> okay. <the Ducks. laughs> that's that's my bold prediction. Okay, I like that. No, I'm not sure that Francois would be necessarily ready by then, but uh, I like that hedging on the Ducks because they played their backup against them twice. Yeah, I like that too. Well, uh, getting back to um, Jackie's new hook game-winning goal um, on Twitter, we've official. It's been official breaking news. According to source, Newhook is the next Tyson Jost. Thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I think we I think we went there the, uh, the other week. Now, to yeah. be fair, he hasn't had, like had any points since we tried to, you know, build him up. So he is in a little bit of a rut. But um, yeah, like like I said, like he's already passed Joe's career high in points. So I to me, it's just not a comparison. It's yeah, just he's, like he's, he's clearly more, more skilled. Yeah. <laughs> Look at our managing editor wrote oh. a comment. My computer crashed round Well, days. it's good that we got your bold prediction. Yeah, before you before <laughs> you crashed. And and one more thing on your last week bold prediction, Jackie. You also mentioned that Byram got a bonus in yes. his contract if he got to 10 goals. So, I was actually fortunate enough to be at the game when he scored his 10th goal and I was just in the crowd going money <laughs> money it was awesome it was yeah i think it's feeling. like two hundred and twelve thousand. it's like some really specific number but oh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh... you know that one felt good and you know he, he was buying dinner too for sure that night even though they probably i think oh, they yeah. lost yeah uh but uh thank you four or three not two three and a half three and a half <laughs> yeah for joining me today uh this has been the mile high hockey lab Oh, Evan, another great comment. Look at that. Bone bar <laughs> money bags. Um, but thank you for listening. This is the Mile High Hockey Lab. Please go give us a like and a follow on your preferred uh, streaming platform. Every episode is available the following day of the live stream here on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe, turn on your alerts so you know every time we go live. Um, and yeah, hopefully the Avalanche are able to win four of six games. And when we talk to you next week, we're talking about who they play in the first round and previewing the much-anticipated quest for a repeat. My name is Adrian Hernandez. This is the Mile High Hockey Lab. Thank you all for listening and watching. Go Avs. Mile High Hockey Lab. Mile High Hockey Lab. Mile High Hockey Lab. Mile High Hockey Lab.